Hey, welcome to the Science of Parenting podcast, where we connect you with research-based information that fits your family. We'll talk about the realities of being a parent and how research can help guide our parenting decisions. I'm Mackenzie Johnson, parent of two littles with their own quirks, and I'm a parenting educator. And I'm Lori Hangs, parent of three in three life stages, launched in college and in high school, and I am a parenting educator. And we have officially launched season three. Here we are. And this entire season, we are talking about temperament and how it impacts your parting. Yes. And yes. just a quick mm -hmm. reminder about temperament and what it is and what it isn't before we start. So temperament is our predisposition to how we react. It's inborn, it's genetic, it's with us from the very beginning of life. And it's essentially our behavior that goes way, way back. How is it different from personality, you might be wondering? Well, temperament is that foundation. And then personality builds on top of temperament. So personality emerges as we grow, as we encounter others in our environment, mm -hmm. our life experiences, but temperament, it's kind of always been there from the beginning. Yes. I love that word foundation. After we like clung to it, and I think that was in our first episode of season three, I'm still hanging on to it. Yeah, <laughs> it is our foundation. So this week kicks off our third trait and kind of our deep dive into the third of nine different temperament traits. And I remember how we talked about that temperament research is based off of Thomas and Chess, as well as Jim Cameron and his colleagues at Kaiser Permanente, and them tracking thousands of kids' temperament traits over 30 plus years. And what they gathered was this idea that all of us have these nine same traits. It's just a matter of figuring out how much of them we got. So did we get a lot or did we get a little? And if you need a quick refresher on those traits and a little more information on them and where you can find about your child's temperament, you can check that out on our website, scienceofparenting.org for those temperament resources. But for now, let's get started talking about persistence. Uh, I won't say this one is my favorite one because I know I might say that every week if I'm not careful, <laughs> but I really like this one too. <laughs> yes, I, I, you know, and as, as we think about persistence and a definition, I mean, do we really need a definition? <laughs> can we you all hear this word and right? We can all see someone in our head right now, and and it might actually be us we see in our head when yeah. the word <laughs> persistence flashes up on the screen, right? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the temperament philosophy theory educators that we are basing our temperament series on are Stella Chess and Alexander Thomas. And they define persistence as that ability to stop doing something when asked instead of fighting to continue. So Jim Cameron and his work at Kaiser Permanente, they talked a lot about it in terms of what is our frustration? So how tolerant are we to being frustrated, to ask, mm -hmm. being stopped to do something? And so as we talk about this today, that's what I want you to think of in terms of persistence, being, being told to stop doing something and how frustrated does that make you? No, thanks. <laughs> Don't ask me to stop. No, thanks. <laughs> I love that. And, and as, as we look through our parenting resources and the temperament gurus that we'll be talking about, I love what Mary Shidi Krasinka says in her book, 
raising your spirited child. And she explains that this trait in particular is a key trait when it comes to understanding that parent-child power struggle. Power hmm. struggle. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I've actually been listening to the book on um, on, on an audio book. And so I've been listening to that. And Mary Sheedy Krasinka really does encourage us to kind of reframe how we look at certain behaviors from our perspective. And maybe behaviors we might consider like annoying or difficult or bothersome. And to look at those characteristics instead from a strength-based perspective. So we want to remove that negative label of how we're talking about it. Mm. And just removing the label and how we think about it can actually reduce the struggle, right? Instead of thinking, my child is being difficult, thinking, this is really important to them, right? Mm -hmm. That can change the power struggle. And mm -hmm. so how we tend to talk about all these traits and persistence in particular is important. So I think... She also talks about this idea that labels are contagious, that mm. how we talk about our kids can frame how other people will think about them. Um, she has this example about talking with your child's teacher. And um, yeah, if we say, yeah, they're stubborn, or if we say, yeah, that's really important to her, isn't it? Um, and so how we reframe it. So can we talk a little bit more about those labels, particularly related to persistence? Because I think this one sometimes gets a bad rap, like whether you're highly persistent or low, I feel like it kind of gets a bad name sometimes. I, I definitely would agree. Though? I would agree. And I think that, uh, so let's play a little word game. How about this? Oh, all right. I will, I'll talk about, I'll say a negative word and let's see mm. if you can try to reframe it. Ooh. How's that sound? Ooh, okay. This is a game, isn't it? <laughs> kind <Okay. of> quiz. <laughs> so, um, stubborn. Persistent. That's the trait, right? Persistent. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, how about lazy if someone is not Ooh. persistent? I would say accepting. Mm, accepting. Like they might be willing to accept that outcome easier than maybe someone who's more highly persistent. Oh, I love that. Um, how about, so let's go with another high persistent word. Um, demanding. Tenacious. Ooh, I like that. Yes. Tenacious. Okay. L less persistent word. Um, unmotivated. Like why don't, why don't they just finish a task? I might say able to let it go. Ah, like, excellent. They're yes. like, yeah, this isn't a thing that is, I absolutely have to do. I could, I could let that go. I can let that go. Yes. Oh, I love those. Okay. Thanks. And those words really matter, right? The way that we talk about our kids and whether we're using some of those more positive words or some of those maybe words that don't have as positive of a connotation, it matters in how we talk about them. And honestly, it can change how we think about them, right? Mm -hmm. The way that I view what they're doing and how they approach things. And, but that can honestly change too, depending on like the age and the situation, right? Exactly. Exactly. So an infant, for instance, that's high and persistent, uh, it may help them learn to walk or crawl or drink from a cup sooner. And we might think, great. And mm. then as a preschooler with high persistence, you know, it just might make us pull, feel like we have to pull our hair out when they won't <laughs> let us help them put their shoes on, right? They're insistent. They are going to put their shoes on. Um, you so know, as an infant, uh, that trait feels like, yes, this is helping them do what I want. Exactly. But in preschool, that same trait is suddenly like, 
this is making my life difficult. <laughs> True. So True. is that on the other end too, right? Absolutely. A less persistent child, uh, you know, they we may have a hard time when we as a parent think they're not meeting those milestones. Mm. Oh gosh. Think about all of the parents are saying, how old is your child? Oh, do they walk yet? Oh, like, no. How, how old is your child? Are they riding a bike yet? No. You know, my, uh, how old is your child? No. Oh, did they get their school permit? Mm. No. That wasn't and, high on their list. <laughs> right. That's exactly it. Persistence. <sighs> it wasn't high on their list. And that's okay. Yes. And so we as parents have to recognize that, you know, some of these developmental milestones are tied into temperament. And rather than ugh, shaming ourselves or letting others shame us, we just had to recognize that all children are unique. They all have mm. gifts that are different from other children. Yes. Ugh. And the way we understand them and value them can vary in different situations. You know, you use that those terms, assets and liabilities, that same trait might be an asset here and a liability here. You know, the way that might be the way we view it, but Absolutely. I feel like we're kind of tiptoeing into our next tidbit, which is kind of about this continuum. Well, yeah. Tell us more about that. Yes. So now that we know what persistence is, mm -hmm. then remember, we've been looking at temperament traits based on this continuum of how much did they get? Okay. We all get part of this trait. Did we get mm -hmm. a little bit or or did we get a lot? And so let's look again at Mary's book on um, when we think about persistence. And so talking about the child who has a high amount of persistence, meaning they get very frustrated when someone tells them no. Okay. <laughs> when they are asked to switch tasks, they may not tolerate those interruptions easily and they want to finish what they're doing. They may get stuck or locked in until they solve a problem. And I mean, in fact, actually they can be very goal oriented. So see, mm -hmm. did you see me just flip that label? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and when you think about it, it's highly probable that inventors, you know, inventors that you think yes. about, like maybe Alexander Graham Bell or George Washington Carver. I mean, they might have been highly persistent to create their new inventions. Yes. And and honestly, highly persistent children are not a fan of limits. Yes. And I uh I am highly persistent. I've like never heard that before. Um <laughs> so I can relate to that. Like, yeah. Don't tell me I can't or don't tell me, right? Mm -hmm. um, those are not things that I like and that I maybe would naturally positively respond to. So when we think about our kids, right? So thinking about that high end of the continuum, when they're persistent with a task, you know, maybe that's an opportunity, right? We flipped our positive label like this is something that's really important to them or they're mm -hmm. really tenacious or man, they are just really working hard, want to see it to the finish. Traits that, yeah, when we think about those inventors, we see positively. Um, and then when we think about challenging moments, we may think of persistence with a different filter. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we know that kids are learning, you know, their independence and their autonomy and persistence is a really a place we're going to see that play out. And so sometimes it's a challenge for us as parents to accept that persistence, especially like if maybe you feel like you're in a hurry, you're like, I don't have time for you to struggle with this right now. Just let me help you. <laughs> um, and so that high persistence can be a challenge, but it really is, right? That it can be a positive trait in adulthood and something we value there. Oh, 100%, 100%. And when you think about, you know, it being a power struggle between the adult mm -hmm. and the child, you know, why, why is that a power struggle? Because 
of the limit placed on whatever action it is. And so we don't have enough time. My no. limit is we don't have enough time for this. <laughs> or, you know, that might be an example. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that might be the highly persistent. And what about on our, maybe if you have a little of the trait. So if you're less okay. persistent or your child is. Sure. So if we move to the other end of the con continuum and consider that, you know, a less persistent temperament might be less frustrated when it comes to uh, limit setting. They may be more patient with limits and mm -hmm. it actually might be more okay to interrupt them. And so if we think about infants and toddlers, they may be more easily redirected, for instance. Or the child that when you say, all right, time for dinner, it might be easier for them to walk away from the thing they're working on, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so, all right, we're talking about infants and toddlers. Let's just, let's walk all the way through. I, I like when we do this, <laughs> when you kind of break down at the different ages. So kind of a developmental task from infancy through examples with teens how we might see this trait play out with a common thing. So let's go with that infant and toddler. You said they might be more easily redirectable if they're on the low end. What, what might be kind of a thing you might see play out with persistence in like infant and toddlerhood? So think about what, what's their kind of goal? What are they really focusing right then and there in their world? And essentially what infants and toddlers are doing, and, and let's just look at the infants for a little bit here. So, you know, like zero to 18 months or so, their whole being honestly is about exploring their world. Mm -hmm. So the persistent child exploring their world, what do they look like? And, and I envision, you know, I envision my infant uh, sitting in her high chair and there being just enough milk on the high chair. And, you know, she's old enough to be eating Cheerios and the persistent mm -hmm infant is she's trying to catch that cheerio with her tiny <laughs> little pincer hunting it down right and she's you know maybe getting more and more frustrated because that that cheerio keeps slipping through that milk right mm. um where the less persistent child uh the infant uh, you know they're exploring their world the less persistent child, you know, they're easily distracted. So as they're crawling mm. over toward the light socket, you might just be able to literally pick them up and turn them around the other way. <laughs> well, they're going to go explore like, oh, something right. different. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's an example right now in, yeah. in our house in infancy. Like how easy is it to redirect you from the stairs? Right now we're climbing stairs with my littlest. Mm -hmm. And how easy is it to redirect you from that? Like, yes. Yeah. Uh, and okay. so then let's think about the toddler. So the, the toddler yeah. is a child up to the age of three. What are they doing in their life? They're really working on becoming more independent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I envision the child who's pulling up their zipper, you know, of their mm -hmm. coat. And the persistent child is going to just keep focusing on that coat. You know, there could be, <laughs> there could be many things happening around them, but right now they are so <laughs> focused on getting that zipper up on their coat. And mm. like you said, we're in a hurry. We got to go. Yes. So our, our reaction might be the door, <laughs> get out the door. Let me just zip the coat. Right. And so <laughs> the less persistent child, they might be more willing to accept help. Mm -hmm. And so how do we, you know, how do we help that persistent child move on when we recognize developmentally their little fingers can't quite get that zipper started. Yeah. Uh, okay. One little tip I want to give right here, just because I can is <laughs> the most important phrase you can do is let me start it. So you start Ooh. the zipper and the persistent child finishes it. Okay. He sneaks. 
Let me start it. Let me start it. Yes, you get to zip the zipper. There it goes. All right. So, uh, right. So, but on point. So, what about if we keep moving up? So, moving on to maybe like our school age kids. Okay, so our school-aged children, they're working on mastering difficult tasks. They're mastering responsibility, not mastering. They're working on developing responsibility, you know, and they're increasing their independence. And so as you think about the more persistent child, you might look at them you know, let's say they're fixing their bicycle and, and they just are going to get this fixed. They're going to get it fixed, but you're saying it's time for us to eat dinner. It's time for us to go, whatever. Mm -hmm. They really, you just set a limit on their ability to finish that fixing Mm -hmm. of the bicycle. Mm -hmm. And so that bicycle is increasing their independence. And so being frustrated with that might be really, you know, really important as far as developmentally for them to finish. Um, the less on the low end of that. Yeah. The less persistent elementary school age, again, increasing their independence, but they might say, well, you know, it's okay. I can finish this later. It might just Mm. be not that important for them to finish it right this minute. Or maybe they never get back to it. Yeah. Right. Like if it's low persistence, like maybe I'm don't yeah. get back around to it for quite Absolutely. a while. I'm not sure. I'm able to kind of accept like, okay, I didn't get this done. I'll catch it later. Exactly. They're accepting. They're accepting. And I think <laughs> that if we move up the the age continuum, we can also say that the middle school, preteen, teenager, they're also, they're experiencing with different values. Mm. They might be experience, experimenting with their friends' values versus their family's values. Mm-hmm. And they're beginning to establish their own identity. And so what does that look like? Um, well, they might make different choices than you. And, and how does their persistence, a highly persistent child is all about their choice. <laughs> and the less persistent child, they might not argue with you about other choices, their friends' choices. Mm-hmm. And so you know, temperament plays a huge piece in those developmental milestones. Absolutely. We see that play out and across the gamut there, like all the way through persistence is there. And yeah, not, not negative, not positive, not good or bad. Just it's there. It's there. And this is their temperament and we're, we're not changing it. We're figuring it out. We're now we are. (laughs) (laughs) So, So I was like, so thinking about your temperament or my temperament or our kids' temperament, where where does your family kind of land? Mm, persistent. So I am I am more persistent um, than I am less persistent. Mm-hmm. I would say that I'm not quite as persistent as you. Um, and I would say that of my three children, uh, two of them are less persistent than me. And one of them, you know, actually, I don't know that any of them is more persistent than me, but they they each have their own level of persistence and they're all three less persistent than me, I would say. Okay. All right. Well, in my family, I do have the highest persistence. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, My co-parent is still persistent, but kind of in like the milder range. I'm on the more extreme range of persistent. And then actually both of my kids are kind of right in that kind of variable middle. They could maybe go either way. Mm -hmm. So so that's interesting, you know, that we're both kind of the extreme 
in our case. So yeah. Yes. I think that, and I think that for, okay, so I'm not, I'm not going to tell this story. I'm going to save this story, but that essentially (laughs) brings us right into our uh, next research topic, which is that goodness of fit. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to save my goodness of fit story for next, but remember we talked about that idea of learning to respond to the child's Mm -hmm. natural temperament. And that's what, what Stella Chess and Alexander Thomas call goodness of fit. So essentially what we're doing is we're learning to understand our child's natural tendencies. And when we do that, it actually helps us to not blame them or even ourselves. So Mm -hmm. it honestly helps bring out the best in both of us. And ultimately it might make our job easier as a parent. And I don't know about you, but I'm all about making my parenting (laughs) job easier. And the reason for that is because it can actually help us prevent behavior problems. So look at your persistence, Mm -hmm. look at your children. And as you look across them, you might not be surprised at times when some are similar to yours, because remember it is genetic and you might not be surprised if they're different. So as you look across, there are there are times where you may have clashed with your child's temperament when it comes to persistence. I think I might say that my own high persistence sometimes gets me like that I'm creating a like a power struggle, maybe is the word I want with my kids, because like no, no, no like unwavering in that commitment to whatever it is. And so that maybe I'm apt to do that. But there's actually an example when I think about goodness of fit and how we match mismatch with my significant other that we um he had come home for lunch and I was here and I was working on something and he was like oh are you gonna like come eat lunch and I was like yeah like okay I need 10 minutes okay 10-ish minutes and I'm working on it working on it and then it's like 30 minutes later he's like okay like I thought it was gonna be about 10 minutes I was like okay I'm like I'll finish this part and um (laughs) Long story short about, it was like three hours later and I still hadn't eaten lunch because I was working on, like, I just, I needed to do what I was doing. And, um, it's a good thing that he didn't wait for me <laughs> to eat lunch, oh. but yeah. it was, I was, I was committed to what I was doing. And so our persistence sometimes, you know, he's a little, you know, like mild, but less than me. And so understanding how those fit together and how those might impact what our behavior patterns might be and our understanding of each other. Like, okay, he may be more understanding that like, this is just who Mackenzie is and that she's <laughs> got to finish what she's doing. <laughs> so uh, exactly. And I'd and love that that, our kids. Yeah. I love that you said it, but it might be actually me that, you yeah. know, creates the power struggle mm-hmm. because honestly, it's about that persistence that that higher persistence can actually maybe ignite the power struggle mm-hmm. between you and the child, regardless of who's got the intense temperament. It's that, mm-hmm. it's that persistence piece that ignites it. And remember that no trait has a good or is good or bad in and itself in and of itself. It's that, you know, is it a gift? Where can we find its gifts? learning to understand how it works alongside our child is what becomes a central focus. And the story I was going to share is that, you know, sometimes with my higher persistence trait than my children's, I can sometimes feel myself maybe judging. Why don't they take this in my 
eyes as seriously? Why don't they want to finish this task as much as I want them to finish this task? And, you know, it's almost me in my head having this shaming of my child's mm. lack of desire to finish the task. And mm. that is in no way, shape or form what I mean. <laughs> and yes. I think about that, that level of persistence. And, you know, when we talk about flipping the labels, I often will also say about um, my middle child, how she is able to just let things go. Mm -hmm. That's I've heard you say that her persistence. And I think, oh, if only I could at times be like her in terms of just letting it go. And mm -hmm. so, so there is that piece where, yes, it is the power struggle between the mm -hmm. parent and the child, but which way is it? <laughs> yes. Well, and Mackenzie, our producer talked, you know, she was talking about how she has kind of a low persistence as we were mm -hmm. getting ready for this episode. And that sometimes she can perceive people as high persistence as like, just get over it. Right. Just let it go. Um, so there is, there's challenges and yeah, assets and liabilities on both ends. And so as we think about our kids uh -huh. and where they land in this mix of a little or a lot of their persistence and how we perceive those behaviors and how we accept how that affects them working towards independence. You know, we know at a lot of ages that work towards independence and autonomy, uh, can be challenging in itself and persistence is going to play out and how that develops. So right. That child who isn't putting something away, it's because they are passionate and zealous and committed. Mm -hmm. And maybe that child that it's maybe easier to let go of, or they don't want to push through on that tough assignment. Um, you know, we can recognize that like, you know what, they recognize that they could use a break. Um, and so those are good things in our kids. Many times in my past work with temperament, I had, I've had parents say that the homework battles are a huge power struggle. And in terms of persistence, especially if the parent has more persistence than the child, the parent is saying, well, just finish it. You only have three problems. Why is it taking you, you know, three hours? It's only three problems. Mm -hmm. And the less persistent child is saying, you know, can I just do one and take a break? And then can I come back and do another and take a break and, and being able to see from their perspective of being less persistent. I mean, as the adult, we're going, well, yeah, but, <laughs> and I go, uh-huh. Yeah, but mm -hmm. it's going to take you three hours of fighting and power struggling, or it can take you three hours with breaks in between of some great conversations, some, you know, some time together doing whatever, instead of arguing for three hours about homework. Okay. And that example is like, I'm so ready to tell you the next part. Um, so like in our, your reality section, you know, of mm -hmm. our podcast kind of towards the end here, we like to talk about some strategies. So we've heard all this information about persistence, understand what it is, how it looks different on kind of the extreme ends of the um, spectrum here or the continuum, and then learned about that goodness of fit. So understanding our temperament and how it maybe works um, and gives us challenges and opportunities with our child. And so the thing I want to say as a strategy, so in this third season, we kind of have been tossing back and forth on this year reality. Like you have some ideas and I've got some ideas. But you talking about this three-hour homework struggle, and it could look like this or it could look like this. Um, the thing that I hear different is accepting mm. your child's temperament. Mm -hmm. Accepting if their persistence is low, yes, maybe you worry like, oh, can they do the tough things that they're going to need to do? Or if their persistence is high, you know, 
are we going to survive, you know, this day with another, you know, another meltdown over this um, because of the limit that I set. But instead of saying like, why can't this be different? Mm-hmm. Understanding like this is their persistence level. And there's going to be times when we love that and times when that's hard, mm-hmm. but accepting that it's not them choosing to be difficult. Like they're not being mean to you <laughs> um, or, you know, it's just, they're not defying you by not finishing three problems right yes. this minute. Yes. They, <laughs> it is the difference between their persistence and yours. And mm-hmm. oh, it's hard. It is hard. Yes. Because as the adults, we can see visually the time difference and we are, mm-hmm. you know, taking it all have to take you three hours. But, but with an innocent child, it's a child who is not ready to, um, you know, move onto that task. Gosh, it's yes. Anyway, okay. So strategy. So the strategy. The first one I want to talk about is accepting, like okay. accepting the temperament as it is. What strategy do you want to toss out? Um, okay, so Mary Sheedy Krasinka has a great strategy, and it's called finding the yes. And essentially think of it this way. So when someone sets a limit on you, what are they telling you? No, no, don't tell me no, no. And, and what does it, don't tell me no, like you or I, who hears that word? No. What is, what is it in our brain? We, I'll find a way. No, I'll find a way. Just, dare, you know, you've heard me say, I dare someone to tell me no. Right. <laughs> so Mary says we have to find a way to, to get a yes. And, and a yes can be as simple as yes, I understand that you want to zip up the zipper. Let me start this for you and you can zip up the zipper. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, no, it's taking too long. I will zip up the zipper. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know you want to go outside and play. We need to get the homework finished. So can we negotiate how to finish this mm-hmm. instead of no, you're not leaving this table until your homework is finished. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a, there's a difference in how that sounds. And none of that is a way of saying you as the parent is not in control. It's, it's not really about control. It's honestly mm-hmm. about relationship and building positive relationships and negotiating responsibility and respect, right? So I'm going to respect the child's temperament and we're going to negotiate how to work towards the gifts of their temperament. Yes. And I think the other thing about finding that yes is I think sometimes depending on on which end are we wanting the child is the problem that what they want is not what we want. Maybe we want them to do something and their high persistence is like, eh, no thanks. Or their low persistence is like, eh, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but if we want them to do something versus if we want them to stop doing something mm-hmm. and finding a way to find a yes, whichever direction it is. Exactly. Like you cannot, oh, I'm trying to think of like an older kid example. So like. So an example for an older child might be, um, you cannot not turn in your homework. Yes. Okay. Or a persistent child. Um, you, you actually, you cannot go out tonight with these particular, particular friends. Mm -hmm. 
but we can, right? The yes comes. Mm-hmm. We can spend time with these friends, but we can't go there, right? Yes, Correct. you can spend time with your friends or you can't not turn in your work, but you can take a break. Yes, exactly. you can take a break. You can take a break. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you can spend time with those particular friends right here in our own house. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, that makes me think of the Trilo example from season one. (laughs) Yes, you can bring Trilo in, but is it going to be this Trilo or this Trilo? Which one is it? Mm -hmm. You know, finding a way to make that yes. And we're still holding the appropriate expectations of our kids, right? We're not saying, yes, do whatever you want. Like, exactly. Still holding appropriate expectations. And yes, we can still meet you where you're at. Because I think that's the other part of accepting their temperament finding that way to say yes, because we acknowledge like, okay, I've accepted your temperament. I acknowledge this might be what you need. Even if it's not maybe what I would need. I acknowledge that this is what you need. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And along with that acceptance just comes that understanding. Like the child Mm -hmm. hears that you understand them and Mm -hmm. you're willing to listen to what they have to say, whether they're less persistent or highly persistent, you're listening to what they have to say. Yes. Awesome. So we're finding yeses, we're accepting, we're understanding, we're acknowledging. And I think the other A word, if we don't throw another one in there, we're kind of anticipating, right? Temperament's that pattern of behavior. Um, So we've got some great strategies on how we can navigate persistence here. We do. Okay. Awesome. So now uh, that kind of brings us to our stop brief talk section where we bring in our producer, Mackenzie DeYoung, and she tries to stump us with a question. So Lori and I practice using our favorite parenting technique where we stop, recognize what's going on, take a breath, and then speak with intention. So we're going to practice that in our stop brief talk section with Mackenzie DeYoung. Hello. How's it going? Oh, we're good. Uh, if you ask how it's going before you ask us a question, I'm like, I don't know how it is. What's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? Sure. It's all good. So I have to tell you again that you guys are so good. And I don't know if it's a matter of us as a team or um, we just kind of are all in the same wavelength. But uh, you asked you already kind of talked about what my first question was going to be. Luckily, <laughs> we, we have <laughs> we have Barb Dunswanson on call because she is saving the day. So <laughs> this is something as we were preparing, we talked about, um, but we didn't really, you guys didn't really touch on as much during the podcast. So I wanted to bring it up. It is relating to a topic that we've talked about in, I believe in season two, on that shaming and blaming game. Right. And the, that parent shame and feeling that shame from others. So uh, can you guys talk a little bit about how we handle when others are or when we're feeling shame or feeling blamed mm-hmm. for the way our child's behaving when mm-hmm. it really is just that persistent tem- temperament trait, either they're being very persistent. Um, mm-hmm. Why is your kid not listening? Wow. He like just won't give up, you know, come on. Mm-hmm. Or on that low end of um, a less persistent kid, why are they not developmentally on par? Mm-hmm. Why are they not as mm-hmm. developed? Why is your kid not walking when my kid is walking? Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. do you want to talk just a little bit about navigating that situation? Yes. Can I go first? Yes, you may. <laughs> okay. So I want to go back to the Raising Your Spirit a Child book by Mary Sheedy Krasinka, mm-hmm. because as I've been listening to it, this like 
it's not a new idea, but saying it this way kind of blew my mind of the labels are contagious. Mm-hmm. The way we talk about our kids and the way other people talk about our kids. And so um, one of the other researchers we talked with, uh, Rob Copeland, about shyness, he talked about instead of saying in our with our shy kid or with our persistent kid, um, you know, instead of saying they're difficult uh, to somebody else, we would talk about you know, that's really important to them or yeah, they're sure. tenacious, right? They're getting sure. after it. Um, you know, and he talked about it in terms of well, th- what they might need. Mm-hmm. Um, so a shy child might need a little more time instead of saying they're shy. So I might say, well, a persistent child, they need to find a way to tackle things themselves, right? They need to find a way to tackle things. Um, or for a low persistent child, like, well, you know, you really need to push her more, right? That might be <laughs> what the shaming sounds like. You really need to. And I'm like, you know what? My child um, is a child that could use a little more time. Sure. And I'm going to encourage that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to encourage her. And um, so I think those labels of how we talk about it can change a little bit of that shame of owning like, no, I don't need to be ashamed of this. This is my child's temperament. Without being like, and yo. I'm proud of myself. Right, right. Yeah, I'm proud of myself for knowing that. Right. And I think that some of that is, um, you know, there's lots of conversations that are had about this, but changing the changing the words you're using rather than being like don't attack my kid you know like Mm, in a more you know a a better you know using better communication to get that across of like in that moment of saying yeah he's really persistent like oh Mm -hmm. he's taking forever to get his coat zipped yeah he's really persistent he really likes to figure it out himself rather than Mm -hmm. um being like yo don't attack my kid which (laughs) I don't know where that came from of how I just said that but but really that you get instead of getting defensive rather just helping to change that conversation Sorry, Lori. <laughs> no, I think I love this. And and I love talking about temperament. You know how long it's been mm-hmm. on my mind to share this. But right. we've been talking to a variety of different veterans in the field of temperament researchers. And, and one of them in particular said, you know, there's this whole, and I believe that we talked about this last week. There's this whole mess of parenting books, correct? Mm-hmm. And this whole mess of parenting books is for, you know, the the average normal population right, yeah, right, within that. the certain realm. You know what I mean? And yeah. then we have these extremes mm-hmm. on opposite ends of these temperament mm-hmm. continuums. And that that piece of parenting tool book might work for a majority of people reading the book. But for this this extreme on the, each end of the continuum, we have to tweak that parenting tool. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with persistence. And, and I think that one, one particularly, uh, I mean, I think everyone's going to be able to relate that to this, is the child who doesn't sleep. Mm-hmm. A, a child who is persistent, all those sleep help books, unless they're recognizing temperament as a piece mm-hmm. of the child's sleep cycle they're not going to work you know there's there's all these okay. methods and all these suggestions but ultimately the persistent child it's probably not going to work for them so when it comes to this parent shaming mm-hmm. you know we feel deeply mm-hmm. the you know, how many of my friends use this book and it worked? Yes. Well, it, it does work for right. a majority of people, but 
And so I think that that's really important when it comes to that shaming and that judgment that now that you know temperaments, Mm -hmm. you know and understand that not every book is going to work for every child. And so no longer in your vocabulary (laughs) is, well, this should work for you because it worked (laughs) for me, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you're getting at, if I can. Yeah. This is why at the science of parenting, temperament is a big reason why at the science of parenting, we talk about a pluralistic approach. That's exactly There's what I was more thinking. than one way to raise great kids. Right. Because what worked for child A, even within the same family, what worked for child A may not work well for child B. They exactly. might have different needs and it's all right to do things differently. And it's all right if that book didn't work for you. That's why we believe it. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is, not, it is not wrong for you to let your child go outside and play before they finish their spelling words. <laughs> all right. It is not wrong for you to, you know, let your child have a snack before dinner. <laughs> and, and it's not wrong for you to have your child finish your spelling words before going outside. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, so much. Yeah. And and sorry, just to kind of build off that, I was thinking, you know, that's our whole philosophy is taking the research and having it apply to your reality is most research and most of those books we're reading are that, that middle section, right? So we're Mm -hmm. looking at work, what works best for, for the majority of people, because that's how research goes. But temperament is awesome because we can look at the research and then put it in a context of those extremes of how would that maybe play out in a different situation. So, and your child's still normal; they're just right. a different kind of normal right. than this other kind. Right, right. <laughs> right. They just don't fall in the the whatever middle, middle section. Yes, yes. So, I think awesome. I think we pulled that off. Switching questions at last minute, but I thought that was a really great conversation to have too. So thanks to Barb for throwing that one to me. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. We'll catch you. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) So that's a little bit about persistence, understanding this trait, what it might look like with our kids on either end of the spectrum or the continuum. And you know, how we can look at our own persistence, you know, Mm -hmm. like other traits, how do we look at our own and our child's to create a goodness of fit, understanding we've got those strategies tucked in our pocket, finding that yes, um, and recognizing, understanding what our kids might need. So thanks for joining us today on the Science of Parenting podcast. Remember, subscribe to our weekly audio podcast on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And you can watch us each week on our social media and join us periodically as we take your comments and questions live. So please come along with us as we tackle the ins and outs, the ups and downs, and the research and reality all around the science of parenting. The Science of Parenting is a research-based education program hosted by Lori Haynes and Mackenzie Johnson, produced by Mackenzie DeYoung with research and writing by Barbara Dunn Swanson. Send in questions and comments to parenting at iastate.edu and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. 
This program is brought to you by Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. This institution is an equal opportunity provider. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to www.extension.iastate.edu/diversity/ext.